the list is completely corrupted and uh, completely out of whack with where it should be. But like you know, it is what you know, it is. You know, he, he reminds me of Donald Trump. Yeah, totally corrupt. Uh, <laughs> fake voting. Everything's you know. It's I, like, I thought this was a cool. Mind. I thought the game was cool, and then I started losing, and I realized this game sucks. Everyone's wrong except for me. I'm doing right. <laughs> this is a fake list. This is a fake list. The following may contain harsh language, poorly communicated ideas, and does not reflect the opinions of iHeartRadio. Hey Sean, can I tell you a secret? Yeah. It's the Secret Red Republic Blood Clinic. It's a private company that buys your blood, big or small amounts. They accept bags, bowls, Tupperware, frozen, not frozen. Animals big and small, however, I guess they're no longer accepting dog or cat blood. Uh, so if you have a donation to make, consider the Secret Republic Blood Donor Clinic. Like so many We're, of these companies we advertise, they, they get in touch with you, I guess. <laughs> what are you talking about? Let's go. Let's go where? Who, who are you? Near Aaron Boyce, carrying concealed weapons. His is pointed at your heart. So please, no errors of judgment I make of you. Oh, come on, fellas. What is this, a joke or something? Yes, a joke. We will laugh. Come Come this week we watched uh, North by Northwest, Sean's first round pick. I think pretty much all of our would have been first round picks as well, probably. Mm, close. Had we given the... Ch okay, what do you... Okay. <laughs> all right, cool. Anyway, I think had so, I not had the first pick, it would have been at least two out of three first pick. But we'll Yeah, it, it would have gone to somebody's one of our first picks. But yeah, I get what you're saying. So Tyler, what do we got in terms of the standings so far? Uh, one sec, let me pull that up. All right, there's no time. You want to go over some facts about the film first before we get into? Well, uh, I was just kind of, I was just, I just wanted to remind the audience just where Sean stands. You know, <laughs> and where remind Sean where Sean stands. Yeah. Currently, number one is Rear Window. Two, Notorious. Three, Shadow of a Doubt. Four, Vertigo. Five, Strangers on a Train. Six, Foreign Correspondent, and seven, Rope. Too bad we couldn't, you know, just have ropey lower on the list but we'll we'll talk about that later that's the problem with the list yeah. sean uh north by northwest was your first round pick sure what do you know was. about north what do i know no i don't know <laughs> just just talk about it like whatever <laughs> all right, all right. All right. so all let's right. go over some facts let's... about north by northwest all right let's do it okay. so with north by northwest, let's pretend that we weren't discussing this like five minutes ago okay here we go yeah so with North by Northwest, Hitch wanted to do for America what he did for the 39 steps in England. In other words, he wanted to take his audience on a thrill ride around the entire country. Kind of weird that uh, they didn't call it 40 steps. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not actually a sequel. Sequel. But, uh, yeah. Uh, in the book, uh, Hitchcock Truffaut, Truffaut goes one further uh, with that comparison, and he says that just as how the 39 steps was a... Uh, a synthesis of all that Hitch had learned in England in the British film industry. The same can be said about North by Northwest and his Hollywood uh, film. But like, if you look at this film, it encompasses everything in Hitch's canon. There's a little bit of everything except for horror. There's really no horror in this film. But other than that, it like it hits every single Hitchcock trope you can possibly ask for. Not only does it hit it, I think it perfects them, or at least nails them down perfectly. Has anyone ever told you that you overplay your various roles rather severely, Mr. Kemplin? First, you're the outraged Madison Avenue man who claims he's been mistaken for someone else. Then you play the fugitive from justice, supposedly trying to clear his name of a crime he knows he didn't commit. Now you play the peevish lover, stung by jealousy and betrayal. Seems to me you fellows could stand a little less training from the FBI and a little more from the actor's studio. 
The pad, the only performance that will satisfy you is when I play dead. In your very next role, you'll be quite convincing, I assure you. Seems like a pretty important that, scene to cut. So. I know like, that they uh, censored her saying, I never talk about love on an empty stomach, and you can really see it's not very well dubbed, and so... That's in the, I never, the first meeting. No, I, I never talk about sex on an empty stomach, and then they change. I never make love on an empty stomach is what she actually said, and then they yeah. dub it over by saying, "We, ne I never discuss love on an empty stomach. No, no, no. Uh, she, no, they changed sex to love. No, she actually says in the movie, you can read her lips, I never make love on okay, an empty Sean, stomach. I, I, I actually did read her lips, and there's a documentary... Uh, called, I watched the uh, documentary, Southwest, and that's Southwest, what I'm talking about. <laughs> and um, You're remembering it wrong. <laughs> no, I'm perfect. Is that a proposition? I never discuss love on an empty stomach. Uh, Jacob actually just gave me a really interesting uh, Tim, but I was wrong, and you were wrong. Um, so, uh, in the censored... Thank you for that, Jacob. Uh, in the censored um, scene... Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint are sitting together having lunch on the train. And the, the line actually is, um, it was changed to, I never discussed love on an empty stomach. She was supposed to have said, before the censorship, I never discussed cocksucking on an empty stomach. <laughs> oh, now I see why they changed it. Yeah, That would have been really yeah. too far. Yeah. A little bit of kind a of, Kind of out of left field too. Like, such a nice okay. movie up until now. <laughs> Another, some more like rapid fire quick points about this movie. Uh, oftentimes, whenever anyone talks about this film, it is usually described as the ultimate Hitchcock film. Hermes Lehman is the screenwriter of this film. He also wrote a film called The Sweet Smell of Success, and Hitch hired him to do this movie based upon the success of that prior film. Uh, they originally were going to write a film about a cargo ship of some sort sinking. It's like a historical uh, thing that happened in the, earlier in the, in the uh, 20th century. But it never came together, and Ernest Liam couldn't figure out a way to break the story properly, so they moved on to create North by North. That movie turned out to be The Goonies. Sure, it did. Even Hitchcock, as famous as he was in 1959 when this film was being made, had to steal some shots. He had to sneak that shot in of Carrie entering the UN from like underneath yeah. the security guards' noses. That it's shot, true. that exterior shot of him walking in, because they would not let him film. Hitchcock doesn't have too many like blatant mistakes in his movies, uh, but there is one in this with the uh, child who must have had like 15 takes of that gunshot going off. Well, you can just see in the background, there's a kid who, like, before uh, even Maurice Saint pulls the trigger, like, it's already plugging his ears before the gun even goes off. It's just a quick second, and you don't really notice it until someone points it out to you, but it is definitely there in the yeah, background. Yeah, you pretty much, you can't look at it the same, though, after Once that. you see it, but you could make the argument, yeah. like, they're yelling at each other in that scene before the gunshot. You could, I guess, make an argument. He's yeah, yeah, like, except when they cut to a different yeah, angle, like, immediate act, immediately after, his hands are back down, and he's like, you can look back oh, yeah, at him in the kitchen. I mean, he could, like, just also have autism or something, you know? Just... Oh, probably that's exactly what yeah. it was. They I can't wait for the spinoff from this kid's point of view, the whole movie just from this autistic boy's point of view. So, of course, the most famous scene in this film, really arguably, but really not that arguably, is the crop dusting plane chase sequence that takes place kind of towards the middle of the film. Uh, with that scene, Hitch wanted to do the antithesis of what uh, the scene would usually be, like a scene that usually plays out in that manner, somewhere like if you would see like a normal Hitchcock film before North by Northwest, like well, if there was a scene where, where a character, let, well, I'm saying, if there was a scene no, where a character no was All right. in danger, they would usually be somewhere in a dark alley with a, with obstructed views everywhere. You didn't know where the danger was coming from. So instead in this sequence, he places Cary Grant in bright, in bright daylight, wide open spaces. No, Everything's available, Sean, you're wrong. But you because don't know where the danger is coming from. <laughs> and I'll tell you why you're wrong. This is, to your point made wrong. earlier, uh, this is uh, a perfection of the 39 stems, the helicopter sequence. 
open, kind of chasing them down. The guys jumping all over. This was just a more updated and, and polished. So are you saying this is just derivative of himself? The truck is talking. Oh, no, I think he, he learned some tricks along the way. And then I with see. North by Northwest, he found an opportunity to pretty much showcase all of these things that he... Pretty much like, I think we've said that about every one of his films, if we're being honest with ourselves. Like every one of the films he's picked it up and he's already he's always brought something from another film and put it into another film. Every single time, multiple times. Like maybe occasionally there's a little bit less, and this isn't like like a, an epic in that regard in terms of like it has like everything that Hitchcock has in his canon. But like most of his films, they're always reflections and echoes of his other work. They're almost always. Um and I don't think I'm wrong about what I said, but I can see your point in terms of it being like a, as like a, a like a mirror image or a partnership to that helicopter scene. But I mean, what I'm reading to you, Hitchcock specifically said himself, that's what he intended to do with this alley. He wanted to take Hitchcock's a scene that would usually be would, that would be dark and condensed <laughs> and like located like in one small space where someone's in danger and do the exact opposite. Tyler, who's right? Is it Sean or me? I don't know who's right or wrong. There, it's a very cool sequence there's way easier ways to kill somebody though let's say that if you can choreograph where sure but it doesn't look as cool as carrie grant run yeah it looks very Um, cool it's it's style over substance this film also contains that like famous never used idea that hitch had of of discovering a man's body inside of a car as it's being constructed (laughs) in the background like he had this idea of like there'd be these two people standing in front of a factory line having this conversation and in the background there'd be a car being constructed from beginning to end and at the very end when the two people who are having the conversation go over to the car and open it a dead body falls out now he couldn't figure out a way to actually get that to fit into this movie but this is the movie he was trying to make that work of course it did actually go on to eventually be used by steven spielberg in the film which one you guys Sean, i'm not even paying attention to you because i'm waiting oh. for you all right minority uh, report people oh, minority okay. report. all right the I color know. purple i'm pretty sure is where they use even hitchcock as famous as he was in 1959 when this film was being made had to steal some shots he had to sneak that shot in of carry entering the un from like underneath yeah. the security guards noses that it's shot true. that exterior shot of him walking in that's how they stole the shot they faked a van they put it like a window they just like put it right up to oh. like a window and then they just shot it quickly like they were hiding i'd be shocked if hitchcock was in that van though yeah so, there was no way he's in that van um i'm <laughs> like well, fancy new york uh, would have been probably while they were shooting this <laughs> it depends on what kind of what type of day it was because I'm sure if it was afternoon he probably would have been blackout. Um drunk. I just I can't even picture Hitchcock climbing into the back of a van. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to lift his leg above an inch, so I don't think unless they like lift, hoisted him into it. <laughs> they should have made they should have made a movie just on that. <laughs> <laughs> the hoisting of Alfred Hitchcock into a van. <laughs> the Hitchcock hoist. The drama. So some Americans some Americans became deeply offended uh, after the release of this film that Hitchcock would let his characters crawl all over Mount Rushmore's face, even though the entire sequence was shot on the set, and said that Hitch should go back to America and film people crawling all over the Queen's face, which just goes to show you that Americans have always had a monopoly on stupidity. Always. <laughs> Sean, did you write that? Or is that just ad-lib? The yeah. <laughs> monopoly on stupidity. Anyway, it all right, here's the thing. <laughs> it uh, is funny that, like, uh... Mount Rushmore was only finished in like 41 or something like that. Like, it was a relatively new monument. When they shot I didn't know that. They, like, they started building in, I think, 26 or 27, but didn't finish till like the early 40s. So it was only like. Well, my understanding is that uh, Hitchcock actually made it because of the movie North by Northwest. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they release the Mount Rushmore? Hitch's uh, in Mount Rushmore? 
Um, it did. It's in now, one of the documentaries. He wasn't actually allowed to film on the real uh, Mount Rushmore because of the violence. And so, uh, as Sean said, that they had to make a replica of Mount Rushmore where they're all dangling and stuff. Probably not a bad safety decision as well. Um, you wonder how big that, that set was? That Mount Rushmore set was 30 feet high and 150 feet wide. Uh, and I would say that besides the Greenwich Village set for Rear Window, it's probably yeah. its best set piece. Probably. And uh, speaking of best set pieces, there are some map paintings uh, in this movie that are mind-blowing. The in what sense? I don't know if it's real life or not. Like, you know, like it'll be almost cartoonish, but then you'll have like people like walking, like, wait a second, how is that a real shot? And there's a scene outside of the United Nations building, um, uh, a downward the shot, overhead, I guess. The overhead, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, they've had, they have some awesome, like, like you're saying, matte, pro- or matte shots. And also the, uh, the screen projection in this film alternates between being absolutely astounding and terrible. But like that sequence, in the crop dusting sequence especially, the uh, screen projection on that is like, it's perfect. You can't even tell that yeah, it's screen projection. And, it uh, and in other scenes, it's, it's really easy to tell, I think. But in that scene, it's like, it's perfect. But in a lot of Hitchcock it. films, like for what we've been watching in the last like 20, 1940, 1960, I guess, the films we've covered, he's used a lot of rear projection. It's pretty good. Like even just some of the car stuff or the airplane stuff. I think a lot of that stuff, including rear projection and matte painting, like it's such a lost art. And I think movies would benefit today from using it more and trying to update that technique as opposed to just constantly using CGI because CGI is just always so empty. Always. Shows and the, TV uses a fair amount of rear projection for like car stuff still, but map painting is almost never that I've seen. Yeah. That I know. I don't think it's all CGI, but uh, yeah. To be fair, I mean rear projection is still pretty prevalent. It's more matte painting I'm talking about, but yeah. like matte painting has almost been completely replaced by CGI, and I just don't think that was the right decision. It's probably for whatever reason cheaper. Although you would think it would even be less expensive to do matte painting, but who knows? Tyler, tell us about what's going on with the rules in this game. All right, so having each chosen our top three films, we're now spending every episode discussing one of them to determine Hitchcock's top nine films ranked in order. Points will then be assigned based on the standings. So, Chris, I'm telling you, first place film gets one point, second place film gets two points, yeah. third place film gets three points, so on and so on. So you're saying that if I had um, you know, place one, places one, two, and three, that would be a perfect score of six points. That would be a perfect score of six points, one plus two plus three. Well, it's not going to happen, our, though, unfortunately. For all our three fans that are already tired of this joke happening every episode, just... <laughs> <laughs> hey, those aren't real fans, then. All right. Sean, if, if people are listening you to mean, this podcast, are you, you can guarantee they know how to do math. Yeah, Karen, just just tell Chris that this joke needs to die in a glorious death. All right. And Karen, if you are sick of the joke, press 1 on your phones now to <laughs> 50533. For our live pre-tape show. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, once that's all settled, we'll add up all our points, and the person with the lowest score wins, which means if this is your film, you should defend it as best you can, while the rest of us may want to point out what makes the film not so great. This week, as Chris said, we're talking about North by Northwest. It's not only Sean's first round pick, it's the first overall ever pick of Take Two Plus Podcast. Sean, you got a synopsis? What's it all about? All right, the story of North by Northwest involves an evil spy organization mistakenly identifying Cary Grant as an American intelligence agent named Kaplan. He becomes a target of pursuit and gets caught up in a game of cat and mouse, trapped in a web of circumstances so incredible that he cannot possibly turn to the police. This harrowing nightmare is is compounded by his perplexity over the confusing behavior of Eva Marie Saint, a female undercover agent. 
After a series of adventures all across America, the spies are exposed and the mystery is cleared up as Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint barrel their way into a train tunnel and perhaps one of the most infamous final shots in movie history. Here's the thing about this movie that's not so hot. It doesn't make any We're not getting into that yet. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck off. I, I, loved, I love opening up the what we like about this movie section and saying... Here's it doesn't make any fucking sense. Not yeah, so hot. Uh, nah. All right. It's a short thing, but I love how quickly the story gets kicked off. Like, he's abducted by sort of the heavies for the first five minutes of the movie. I love that you just get kind of a taste to Thornhill is, and then we're like we're right away into the story. It's a for a movie that's over two hours long. It moves incredibly quickly. Yeah, there are a few parts that that slows down. I know MGM wanted to cut like twenty minutes out of it or something, and Hitchcock refused. That one scene in particular, but yeah, there's one or two scenes that I wouldn't say there's a couple still fun scenes. They just I don't know if they're that. Towards the latter part of the film, it does slow down a little bit, but we can get towards that yeah, we get in, in a few moments. Um, so what I think is great about this film in general, so, I mean, let's just start off with the opening title sequence. Uh, besides the visuals and the music, uh, there's, so there's definitely a poetic beauty to the Vertigo score, but the North by Northwest score is just so forceful, powerful, and exciting that I think it makes the Vertigo uh, score pale in comparison, personally. Oh, my God. <laughs> Still sore. All right. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I I don't actually, to be fair, think that the overall like totality of the score is better than Vertigo's, but I definitely think that opening theme is better than the Vertigo's opening credit theme. This film doesn't technically open in media res, but it does have the energy of a film that does with the triumphant and pulsating score that it opens with, and kind of like what you were saying, Tyler, like the film just picks up and goes. Uh, the way that Cary Grant just bursts onto the screen, walking and talking a mile a minute while the camera is moving alongside him while keeping up with him in that hot, uh, the lobby of the apartment or hotel, whatever reason. Uh, so in a sense, Hitchcock is really the one who created the walk and talk shot, not Torkin. I don't know where that came from, but that was definitely a walk and talk shot with Cary Grant, the opening part of this film. Uh, uh, how many times do you think they use the motif of someone trying to get a taxi and then someone else stealing that taxi. <laughs> yeah, it's like Did you, were you counting? Uh, sorry, are, we were are you talking game. about like a five second like <laughs> gag in this film? Like what are you that fucking trying to That reoccurs over in? and over again? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. They actually nailed something down and made it recur. Oh, okay. Instead of just doing it as an off one, one off mm-hmm. thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I counted six think, times. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also think that in general, like, uh, Cary Grant's character is extremely well-rounded. He's thrust into an impossible situation, but he's also suave because, of course, he's Cary Grant. Uh, he's hilarious because he cares about his mother from the jump. Like, when he's having his dinner and he keeps mm. checking his watch because he's worried about his mother. And but then he uh, abandons her when she's with the heavy, so I don't think he cares that much. No, like, I, I agree that, like, he... Like, there's their two bad guys on the elevator with his mom, and he literally runs away and leaves her alone in the hotel. Doesn't he the bring villains. them out? He says, no, 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 women first, women first, and he, like, brings out all the women. Yeah, and then he runs he, away like, and leaves his mom, like, behind. He literally ditches his mother to the villains. Well, first of all, they're not going to touch the mother. I mean, like, they he should. knows that like, after. If they were proper <laughs> villains, they would. But I also think, like, obviously that relationship is there for the comedic effect, right? And that's what it's about. It's not about, like, whether or not that she's, like... First of all, this man is 65 years old, and he's talking about living with his mother, and she's, like... Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. It's so weird. Like, that that yeah, actress like, is only a year older than Carrie That Grant. mother character is really fun and, like, a uh, dry sense of humor, and then he literally runs away from her and, like, leaves her out of the story. Because well, he just keeps scene. talking about her. It's like, okay. It's like almost Norman Batesy. <laughs> oh, as soon as you get back to the office, call my mother. Remind her we've got those theater tickets for tonight. 
Dinner at 21, 7 o'clock. I'll have had two martinis at the Oak Bar, so she needn't bother to sniff my breath. What's the matter, Roger? You got the fidgets? Oh, well, I just did something pretty stupid. I told my secretary to call Mother, and I realized she won't be able to reach her where she is. Well, why not? Well, she's playing bridge at the apartment of one of her cronies. Your secretary? No, oh, my mother. Hello, Mother. Mother, this is your son, Roger Thornhill. It's because different sections of the cities are about different women in his life, really. Like, that section in New York is about his mother, and then he goes over to another, like, to the Detroit area, wherever the next section is, and then the third section is more about even more saying She comes in that second section, and then she gets bridged over. But, like, the first section is about her, his relationship with his mother, and that's why she just, you know, obviously he leaves the state, and the mom's not coming with him. Um, what do we think about the drunk driving scene in this sequence, as opposed to the one in Notorious? <sighs> It's a little too slapsticky for me in this. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think what happened with Notorious is that they filmed it and he realized that he was trying to go for this dramatic moment. He's like, this is fucking funny. Like, God but damn like, it, we can't make this serious. And the then problem with that scene, the scene right after it is even worse than the drunk driving scene. The scene where Hitch, or where Cary Grant is like uh, being detained by the police and he's fall down drunk. The Hitchcock has introduced this really interesting mystery here and then just slows it down completely with like a eight minute slapstick routine from Cary Grant. And Cary Grant is good in it, he's funny in it, but it, it slows down everything he's set up. I think it, I, mean, I just think it. it's a really funny scene. Isn't it the scene where he calls his mom and he's like, no, yeah, I like it's a funny scene, Lawrence but I'm not watching like a screwball Cary Grant comedy. I'm watching uh, a mystery. I'm watching. Uh, I, don't know. I would uh, say that you are. Yeah. Film that has everything. I would say that you watch it. You can slow down a couple minutes. It's a funny scene on its own, but it slows down everything that's built up to it. You've introduced the villains. You've introduced the mystery. You never you really get to learn about who Catherine for uh, the comedy scene. Sorry, Tyler. You never fear for Cary Grant's life either. Like you always, like you're never really because like, he hands it up in those scenes. Yeah, he does. Which, well, which makes which makes North by Northwest our number nine pick. On the <laughs> yeah. yeah, we haven't even like got into all the shit yet. All right. Also, like one of my other favorite little, and since we're talking about comedy for a second, that little beat where towards the end of the, the film when he's escaping the, uh, the hospital, where he's, I can't remember exactly, but where he's going through that woman's room and she's like, yeah. stop, oh no, stop. That was <laughs> awesome. That was, like, that, like, that's, like, that was sweet. Yeah, like that. Film ever. that might like, also be so the best impression on this show so far. <laughs> I mean, you have to imagine. <laughs> is, is, is that actually just like Cary Grant playing Cary Grant in that scene? I, I hope so because I'm sure it's happened to him a million times. Where woman, yeah. you know, he's going through it in woman's room and she's like, "Stop, stop." Yeah. <laughs> but just Cary like, Grant's reaction. The main reason I would argue that this film is Hitchcock's best is because I think it's the only film we've watched where the main character actually learned something through the course of his adventure. Is that really why you think it's number one? Is because the main character learned something. And what did he learn, Would you, would you, let, me, about love? Would you let me finish? Yeah. Uh, Most of the films we've watched to this point and with the main characters simply returning to who they were at the beginning of the story or simply going on living without changing at all. I mean, seriously, if you think about any other film we watched, like, the closest would probably be Notorious, where the characters actually change a bit by the end. But the thing in Notorious is those characters were so unlikable from the jump that they just had nowhere else to go but up. Foreign correspondent, man. 
He was like uh, a rear window. He turns as well into as like a, a uh, he was a foreign correspondent boy, and then he turns into a foreign correspondent. Uh, definitely not foreign correspondent. And rear window is like there's there's a he no, learns to accept that she's more than there is to than just like the socialite. It's also a, it's used for a comic effect too. When someone like Jimmy Stewart now is back to where he was at the beginning of the movie with the broken a second, you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> it's not like they're oh, doing it as a right. cop out. It's it's like it's used for comic effect to make it a very funny. What thing. I'm hearing. Just the way it is at the end of uh, North by Northwest with the train going through. It's just a funny, like, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's a great representation of the train. <laughs> what the I'm top. really trying to get at, what I'm trying to get I agree. You guys, no, you guys are right. No, you know, look, no, you guys are right. And I said, I misspoke. I misspoke. I, I, I shouldn't have really, like, leaned on the fact that the character does change. Although I do think that that is a rare thing in Hitchcock film. It hasn't happened in many of the ones we've watched. That shouldn't be the main reason that this is the best film. You're right. You're right. You know what? what? I have to say, you are a different person since uh, Vertigo. You must have learned a lot of stuff from Tyler and I. Okay, but let me finish. Because <laughs> I'm sure you're going to disagree really with that. to that Jimmy Stewart uh, speech at the end of Rope to change his ways. Oh, God, I listen to, I listen to that speech wow, every day. You've twisted them. John Wow! When I said it was okay to kill people, I didn't mean for you to actually kill people, Brandon. The main reason I think that this is the best Hitchcock film is I think that Cary Grant's performance in this film is the best performance ever in a Hitchcock film, period. Like you said, Tyler, there's a reason Jimmy Stewart wanted this role so badly. I mean, he's basically James Bond, but somehow he's even cooler and he doesn't need to shoot a single person or gun to get it done. It's one of the most charming, funny, suave, and disarming performances ever captured on film. And I think it's a huge part of why this film is so great. And not only is the story designed to keep the action and the plot points coming, but its, par uh, but its characters are more well-rounded in a way that Hitchcock films don't generally tend to be, which is the point I was getting at earlier. So not only is Hitchcock at its best, not only as a technician in this film with sequences like the like the cornfield sequence or like the, and the uh, Mount Rushmore sequence, uh, but he's also at his best as a storyteller in this film. It's best technically and as a storyteller because, you know, the heart of a good story is its main character. And I, you can't tell me that there's a better performance in any Hitchcock film than Cary Grant in this film. That yeah. we've watched so perfect. far, or just that we've watched so far, sure. Oh, so next. we don't want to okay. talk about the next movie we're going to be watching. You can't. I mean, like Anthony Perkins is awesome in that film, but he's not Cary Grant in this film. What about he's Jimmy not. Stewart and Vertigo? Mm -hmm. No, get the fuck out of here with Jimmy Stewart. Ever we've all we've all actually discovered something through this podcast. Jimmy Stewart at the end of films is not a good actor. He's not a good actor. He overacts like a fucking oh, psychopath. Hey, he's so Jimmy, fun to watch. Come, that's a hard. He is that's fun. Hard. He is fun, but he's a fucking overactor too. And I didn't realize that before this podcast. I, but if you're and gonna talk about overacting, and I love both Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant, look at Cary Grant drunk driving, and you're gonna tell me that's not overacting. But, that, but the is. thing is, is that like that was actually him drunk driving, Tyler. They had a Cary Grant. That was Cary Grant. That was very dangerous. That. No, look, Cary Grant wouldn't have done that if it was if he didn't know that Hitch wanted the comedy. You know what I mean? Like it's a comedy. Like it's that's it's a completely different thing, and that's where he's he's lucky in that regard because Jimmy Stewart's roles are tend to be a little more like dramatic based. But like that's it is what it is, and Cary Grant just pulls it out awesome, and perfectly. Because of our trust, newfound trust, and our um, our belief in each other, I'm going to admit that it probably is my favorite uh, Hitchcock movie, and it's probably the one that you would get the best reaction out of someone if they were to be introduced to Hitchcock with this movie because it does have everything and then once you see this movie you can appreciate other movies you're like oh I you know that reminds me of uh, 
The cock-sucking scene in uh, Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> there are some, I I like the, you're right. It is the ultimate Hitchcock film, right? Like, that's he does use that. that uh, I like that he uses that, like, kissing-slash-talking scene again to get past the censors. The same way he uses the Notorious for the window he does it on the train here. Mm. It's like, once you figure that out, like, he needs to go through it. <laughs> it's fun every time you see it now. We have, well, that's another thing we've seen. Once Hitchcock figures something out, it's a well he likes to go back to time yeah. and time again in this film. Did anyone, all kidding yeah. aside, like find any grievances with the movie? Yeah, even I John, is it okay if we talk it. about that now? Hey, I even think there's issues with it. Like, I don't, I mean, I think it's like a near perfect film, but it's not perfect, perfect. <laughs> no, but it's, I mean, like, long. you could look it's at way that mistake. It's way too long. You could look at the, oh, or you could look at it as epic. Is Lawrence of Arabia too long? No, it's, but it's not like, it's not a film that needs to necessarily be epic. Oh, true. you know what? If ever, beyond bad. the um, the child plugging his ears before the gunshot, what other mistakes are there? Because it's a very polished film. Irish is sat in college right by the drunk driving. I do think it's a little ridiculous like it's even for comedy it's a little too much what's wrong with it's that like, though it's just I, I, I the mystery and the villains there and then it really slows it down the drunk driving's not as bad it's a little slapsticky it's a scene right after where he's in the precinct like, well i think I, you know what though like this is the, these, that whole sequence though are the seeds for which he becomes invested in getting to the bottom of who this character that he's being but not there for. like that's just a little no it is because now he's getting involved with the law it's no longer just about him and this situation yeah, right i think and but if you're getting him like he keeps digging it worse until he gets a photo with the knife in the guy's back and that i will say is probably a grievance of mine because that seems a little heavy-handed uh <laughs> or these, like, or the, way, the way he holds it is just like no one would he's, hold it he's literally like, posing like, with a butcher's knife <laughs> picture in the newspaper is like such a staged photo and then it's, and then proceeds to threaten everyone around him stay away he's got a knife look out listen to me i had nothing to do with this call the police wait a minute, wait a minute. don't come any nearer get back it's like okay. but again i think you couldn't argue that away with like it's supposed to be in this theatrical comedy like little like isn't this funny yeah. like life wouldn't work this way like of course carrie grant wouldn't be like holding it like this and being like what like i can't what? see the pictures being taken like, of, of photos i don't understand why like kaplan's a fake agent but why did they put a photo of van damme in this fake hotel room that they've set up for him like, Cary Grant finds me, like, cool, this is the guy that abducted me. But, like, why would that picture actually be in a room that's never going to be occupied? Of the band I villain. Notice. Yeah, I mean, I know you're convenient. right, he does find that. But, like, I, I mean, obviously, it's there more to, like, throw shade on the character or, like, a, like a spotlight on the character and suspicion. Well, it's stuff, there so that like, Cary Grant can recognize it. But, like, why would the FBI or CIA or whoever they're supposed to be, like, put a photo of him in a room that they're not actually using? He's the, the the target, right, in, of the FBI and the CIA. Kind of, I guess. So yeah, maybe but... he's there because it's just someone's picture. I mean, I think it's framed or something, right? Or is it? Like, it's just uh, a picture sitting on the desk for no reason. Is it not, so it's not in a frame. It's just on. It's just, yeah, it's just sitting on the desk. Oh, is well, anyone... then you could say it's like a resource. They were using. They were looking at a picture of him. Like it's a target. Who was? Of... But no one's using that room. It's uh, it's by their. But you have to like somebody happened. did. Someone in the CIA or whatever they are did it. Set that room up or whatever. Yeah, you know but why mean? would they like, be like? We think he's being watched by the main villain. Let's like make the main villain even more suspicious of this guy. Speaking of the villains, uh, what are they so villainous? Like, what what's their deal? They're like selling secrets. 
That's, yeah. that's intense. That's the thing. I really There's like... There's the Cold War, Chris. Come on. I really like James Mason. And Secrets are currency. Secrets are currency. That reminds me of Secrets, Red Republic, Blood Clinic. <laughs> it's only a secret if you keep it. Now accepting bags, bowls, Tupperware, frozen, not frozen, uh, animals big and small, the blood, uh, just no dogs and cats. What about, Chris, what about paper bags? What does it say about paper bags there? It seems like they're pretty liberal as to what they like. I'm not. You could probably combine different squirrel blood with. Doesn't you know, matter what blood. No. Cocktail. I think I they drink it. Actually, around. I think they do drink it. Should we get into where we think this film plays? Wait, wait, wait. One what thing I, I don't about? love about this oh. film. Oh, is... whoa, Tyler coming in like he needs to just get something off his chest. Well, it's a Talk big me, Tyler. It's a big part of the. Oh, he's it's no, he's, the... he's setting the he's setting the ground for Psycho next week. He's got to get no, that. No, he's got to lay the paper. You'll see where it's going. Psycho's going to be Psycho's the best film. I don't know. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I don't love the romance element of this film. It's very convenient the way she. She's a good actress in this film. She's a good I actress. She's a good like femme fatale. My big problem is he forgives her once he figures out she's a secret agent or an undercover, whatever you want to call it. But like she still set him up to be murdered. Like she set him up to go out and wait for a crop dresser to shoot him down, and that never is brought up. That like, hey, you could have like tipped me off and not set me up to die. Well, the suggestion is that her life was on the line constantly. Like, she had to. She could have been like, hey, dude, there's going to be someone trying to kill you when you get there. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm still in love with you. Dude, I don't care she took, to look, she took one look at Cary Grant. She's like, this guy's fine. Like, he's just going to fucking ace this. It doesn't matter what happens. So look at this guy. She's like, no. So then like, why should we care, Sean? Yeah, so you're saying they have an undeveloped, underdeveloped romance element because they cast Cary Grant. That's all. It makes need. me sick now that I think about it. You yeah. don't need to work when you cast Cary Grant as your love interest. That is but then if you're saying you look at Cary Grant and he's fine, it kills all the suspense. The whole point is he's supposed to be this like fish out of water that doesn't know how to survive in the world of espionage and to the point where like a crop duster can kill you. There's so many easier ways to kill somebody. No, I'm not sure if there is, Tyler. Hey, by the way, I'd like to point out... Cary Grant is a prototypical James Bond in this film. He really is. Like, would you give this shit... No, he's not, Sean. Yes, he is. He absolutely... No, he's the mistaken identity guy that pulls it off and is out of his element and then saves the day in the end. That's the... That's a bit of the problem. There's a big reason why Dr. No came out after this film. Yeah, because of coincidence. I don't know. Hey, Tyler, are you done? Uh, yeah, I got a little nitpicky thing, but fuck it, let's move on. Oh, we want, okay, all right. (laughs) Are you sure? Yeah, no, I'm good. (laughs) You got time, Tyler. Why don't we, why don't we go on to where everyone thinks it ranks? Who wants to go first? Sean, why don't you go first? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious where I think it's. (laughs) Well, that's why we don't want to have you last, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think, okay, all right, all right. Um... I think North by Northwest is really the ultimate Hitchcock film, like a lot of people say about it. I think it has my favorite lead performance in Hitchcock film ever with Cary Grant as Roger Thornhill. It has one of my favorite Hitchcock stories with constant twists and turns. It has frantic and frantic energy, hilarious uh, sense of humor. It has one of my favorite Hitchcock sequences of all time in the crop dusting sequence. I think the only other scene that ever even comes close to that scene is the shower scene in Psycho in terms of Hitchcock's overall canon. Um, I think that even Marie Saint gives one of the better performances that we've seen from an actress in a Hitchcock film in this movie. She does play uh, a really strong woman lead, whereas a lot of just movies in that time, you know, women weren't really yeah. like 
spies or Some like the uh, you know just as dangerous as like you know fellas. But she's there's also just like there's a vulnerability vulnerability to her and her like the way she reproaches her roles and her scenes with Cary Grant that. Um, I don't know. I just think, but you know what? Really though, that's also one of those. I was never supposed to fall in love. That was never part of the. You know, it was never supposed to happen. Yeah, I'm not even talking about like what she's saying as like how her like her body language and her acting. Like I just that's more of, like what I'm talking about. Um, I don't think that the film ever quite reaches the lyrical beauty of Rear, uh, rear Window, but I think that the story and overall entertainment value of this film is off the charts. And uh, and I think it's better than that, than that film is overall. Sean, where are you putting North by Northwest? Number one, baby. Number one. All right, Tyler, where are you putting North by Northwest? All right, so I don't know if you were being uh, serious or not when you said you were conflicted about it, Chris, but I was a little conflicted on where to place this because I think um, it really right, does. Everyone, everyone listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. For uh, about to drop some knowledge. heart breaking. To break. Okay. You can see yeah. the exact moment yeah. when I put this film dead last. No, kidding. I do like this film a lot. It, it does create a template for modern spy films, which is still in place today. I mean, the pace it kind of, of made the is, perfect one, too, for like all those ones that have come after it. Like, well, this is still like James Bond films kind of follow this sequence of events. They're a little more like heavy handed with the action than North by Northwest, but like it's set the template for. Yeah, but I say that it, 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 the context is completely different because with James Bond, you have a hired professional and then you have a fish out of water. So, yeah, so it's, 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 they, they walk the line different. and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I think Harry Grant's the perfect. Uh, casting job for this film. Like, I can't picture anybody else in it. Maybe Sean Connery, because he did Dr. No three years later, but that's really the only other person, because I'm comparing it to a James Bond film. I think the only way we compare it to James Bond movies is, like, you see, like, Cary Grant on screen, or, you know, Sean Connery, and you're like, yeah. man, I wish I was that guy. Yeah, he knows but exactly it's, what But it's like, he meets the bad the guy, guy, he goes through these adventures, he moves the woman, it's he all about like woman, a secret like, organization. There's tons of stuff. Sort of With all the like, secrets, which reminds me, a, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> and not just James Bond films, like spy thrillers in general, like Jack Ryan movies do the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But this movie did it first. It was first. I mean, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It but, didn't do it first, John. That was one of the things you were talking about. Dirty no, Life, know, for like, instance. No, 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 no. I it said, what I said, in a big way. it's accumulation. Wait, wait, wait I need to It is stop a celebration of Alfred Chris, Hitchcock. What I, but, yes, but what I said about 39 Steps is that it was a combination of his British work, which did involve a lot of, a lot of that stuff. But what I didn't say that was that it was a remake of the 39 Steps. Like, it's not a remake of 39 Steps. He learned different things in England than he learned no, in America. No, it is. It's, it's like a, a mixture. Remake, it's a mixture of uh, 39 Steps, The Lady Vanishes. Uh, maybe the man you knew too much. It's its own thing, and ultimately. Four, just four, like a lot of Hitchcock things are their own things, ultimately. Like, you even wish. though he goes back to the well constantly and takes things from other things that he's done before, and he knows words, he does that in every one of his films. So if we say about North by Northwest that it it's really this, this, plus this, then we have to say that about every one of his films, that it's really this, this, plus this, because he does that constantly in every one of his films. Sean, do you think uh, Hitchcock was disappointed with North by Northwest because it didn't turn out as good as Foreign Correspondent? <laughs> Probably in his heart. But let's let Tyler right, Let me finish for my and then So for those reasons I said is why it would go very high on my list, but for my knocks against are that for a Hitchcock film, especially considering what we've seen in the last few weeks just talking on this podcast, 
it's a very surface level film that doesn't delve into the human psyche. There's no subtext. It's not as interesting as I find something like Rear Window or Psycho or Notorious. Uh, Vertigo delves into that. All of your movies, well. Sean? Or, or, sorry. Oh, no, Tyler. Tyler. Uh, all Tyler's movies. Yeah, Rear Window. Name? I've been calling you Sean this entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rear Window and Vertigo are my movies, Chris. <laughs> hey, great minds, Tyler. <laughs> That's right. I also think uh, well, James Mason and Mark Landa are great actors and do a good job with their role. They're really not in this film a lot to be enough to be memorable villains. Like I said, I don't particularly buy the romance, especially because even Marie Saint sets him up to be murdered and he forgives her very quickly. Uh, I don't love that he just... But who can say that none of us have sent our uh, partners out to be murdered? Well, that's true. Them to All right, let's talk. Where do you place it? So I would place this film... Number three of what we've discussed so far. So wait a second. Oh. You're telling me. Below below what, sorry? Uh, it goes below Rear Window and below Notorious. Oh, get the fuck three. out of here below Notorious. Get the I fuck think out the of Croft here below Notorious. And Mount Rushmore scene are better in terms oh, of set pieces, wow. but I think Notorious is a better love story. The suspense no, bro. Is wow. no way, no better way. villain and a less convoluted, more interesting, straightforward plot. Notorious is plot. so boring. Oh it's my so God. goddamn boring and nothing happens in it. No, God. get the fuck out of here with that. No. I can't believe Notorious is where it is anyway. All right, Chris, where would you place the film? So one and three. Right. One and so three. I um are you calculating all these, uh, Tyler? Okay. That's hard for him to but four. He's got four so far. Right. So I love North by Northwest um, with all my heart. Um, but it was one of the first movies of Alfred Hitchcock's that I've owned, and so I've probably seen it more than any other. I think I actually remember showing Sean this movie back in the day, um, which is kind of disappointing that he's betrayed me in these recent episodes because I, feel like I you said that hey, eight times. Over we called the truth. I haven't I haven't attacked you yeah, once. I know. Uh, you did point out vertigo flaws a lot. This well, that was a little suspicious. Anyways. Um, I think that was before the truce, but okay. <laughs> so I do love North by Northwest, and that's why it breaks my heart to put it in last place. It's better than Notorious. It's better than Notorious. Um, it's absolutely better than Notorious. Tyler is so full of himself with that fucking pick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm struggling between first and second because, really, on a, on a Tuesday, you might say Rear Window's better. On a Thursday, you might say North by Northwest is better. So do I just kind of but on a Sunday, take what my do you say? movie and make it number one? My, my argument for that, Chris, is that North by – well, it's not even for both, I guess. North by Northwest is maybe more fun, but Rear Window has more to, like, take apart after the film than really – I think there's more meat on the bone. Yeah. yeah do you real. really want to watch a movie for fun, or do you want to watch a movie to like try and study it at the end? But real like, fun tired. too. Why not real do both? Not like watching uh, and watch you know, two girls, one cup. All right, I'm gonna put it uh, number one. Yeah. Right. What's so right it gets right. number one then. It North gets number North one. North I get a number one. Change it to number two. Victorious gross. I do actually change it to number two. Can I change it to number two? No. What are you doing? If you change it to number two, that will put it into second place. Below your window. Ooh. No, it's like that's ridiculous. And we've got. I feel like for dramatic purposes and for the Take Two franchise to continue being so <laughs> successful, I think I should change it. But you know what? Whatever. Yeah, I'm going to stick to it. Uh, next week we look at Psycho, 1960s, uh, the 1960 version, uh, not to the 1999 <laughs> Lars von Trier version. 
Um, Lars von Trier. Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant. Freaking European. You know who would have been a, who would have made an awesome Psycho remake? Lars von Trier. <laughs> I've actually remake. never seen the. I'm pretty remake. sure they're the same person. It. All right, everyone. Next week we're looking at Psycho 1960 of Hitchcock. This will conclude our Hitchcock draft. Um, this was Tyler's first round pick, and uh, Psycho is a damn good one. Thanks for listening to Take Two Plus, and we will see you next week.